from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. They are 50,000 strong and rooted in history. We've been doing the amazing work of agriculture and helping feed in America for, for many, many generations. What the leader of the National Black Farmers Association wants you to know about black farmers. Preparing to plant, it's almost as important as planting itself. So I highly recommend that you go ahead and take a look at that. A checklist to help you win the firm. As the government takes on pesticides with plans that could impact millions of ag workers and pesticide handlers. The 2020 rule removed the 100-foot zone category altogether and created a general 25-foot zone for all pesticide spraying. See what's being proposed right now on ag Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. The government is making a push to protect farm workers from pesticide exposure. The EPA announcing a proposed rule it says will improve and modernize the pesticide application exclusion zone requirements. Agnes Michelle Rook joins us and Michelle, the agency is planning some revisions beyond what was proposed back in 2020. Clinton, a rule published in 2020 by the previous administration regarding AEZ requirements never went into effect due to a stay by the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York. After a court challenge, EPA announced Thursday it is proposing to reinstate protections from the 2015 worker protection standards. Now, in 2015, EPA made significant changes to the standard to decrease pesticide exposure among farm workers and their family members. Among the changes, the revised standard included a new provision requiring agricultural employers to keep workers and all other individuals out of an area called the application exclusion zone during outdoor pesticide applications. The original 2015 rule required either a 100-foot or 25-foot zone around pesticide spraying, depending on the droplet size, which is the measure of how easily a pesticide can drift and accidentally expose people. The 2020 rule removed the 100-foot zone category altogether and created a general 25-foot zone for all pesticide spraying. The established distances are 25 feet for medium or larger sprays from a height greater than 12 inches from the soil surface or planting medium, 100 feet for fine sprays. She says EPA is also reinstating rules providing protection for workers outside of the application exclusion zone that were taken away with the 2020 rule. Additionally, the 2015 AEZ provisions required spraying to stop for people who, who were within the AEZ, even if they weren't on the farm's property, and for people like utility workers accessing telephone lines within the AEZ on an easement. But the 2020 rule took those protections away too. However, EPA's proposal will reinstate all those important worker protections. Plus, EPA is proposing to retain two provisions in the 2020 AEZ rule to provide more clarity and flexibility for farming families and allow them to remain inside enclosed structures or homes while pesticide applications are being made. EPA officials say the worker protection regulations offer protection to over 2 million agriculture workers and pesticide handlers who work at over 600,000 agricultural establishments. USDA has also signed off on the proposal. It's been a wild weather ride over the past couple of days for many people across the country, starting in Minnesota, where crews were forced to shut down busy I-94 due to terrible road conditions. Now take a look, drivers stranded in their vehicles between Moorhead and Fergus Falls in the western part of the state. You can see snow and strong winds leading to whiteout conditions, making things downright brutal. The Minnesota National Guard was activated to help rescue drivers 
who were stuck. In Oklahoma's Panhandle, high winds stirred up a dust storm, ending with a deadly 10-vehicle pileup. An Oklahoma Highway Patrol lieutenant taking this video from the passenger seat of a police vehicle at the time they were following an ambulance to the crash on US 54 near Goodwill. Police say one SUV driver died in the wreck. Others suffered injuries. And that stretch of snow is continuing to push east while severe thunderstorms move into the deep south. Meteorologist Chuck Heaver is tracking it all. Chuck? Well, it's going to actually be a relatively mild next three or four days over the weekend. So let's take a look at the root zone. You can see off to the west, of course, we had the infusion of water. Even down in the southeast, most of the country is normal, but the persistent dry spot in the center spot of the country is just a killer. It's not going anywhere. We do have those showers moving off the coast, but when you look at the rest of the country, it's very, very quiet. We do have some scattered snow showers along the Canadian border up to the north and some heavier snows in Maine, but otherwise it's going to be a very quiet weekend. Okay, and just look at this precious moment. DB of Northwest Arkansas sharing this picture with us. He says this little guy doesn't care what color tractor it is as long as he can tag along. Lots of memory making there for sure. I'll have more on your full forecast coming up. Win the Furrow programming on Ag Day is sponsored by Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Get season-long systemic disease protection from the inside out, from root to tassel and stalk to leaf. Go long with Zyway brand fungicides. Planter prep is vital to running the perfect furrow this spring. Agronomist Missy Bauer returns with a couple more tips for making sure you're ready to win the furrow at planting. We're here in the shop today to start talking about planter setup and how important it is your planter ready for the planting season. We've put together what we call the 10 point planter checklist. So it goes through the 10 most important things of trying to get this planter set up from what we call the hitch pin all the way to the closing wheels. Another common problem area of our checklist is in the disc openers, not having this point of contact set uh, correct. And it's really more about the uniformity of it. So if I check my point of contact, take my business card, slide one in from the bottom, uh, one in from the top, and then I'm going to see where those two come together. And I'm going to mark that on there. And I want to do that at least four times all the way around. What I'm looking for there is uniformity. I'd like that number to be within about a quarter inch of one another. A lot of the OEM blades, we've really struggled there. So one of the ones that we've gained a lot more uniformity on is the, what we have on this planter. It's called the GBGI blade. So a little bit more consistent on the blade, a few less issues there. Uh, on the case planter, it's a little bit different. You don't actually want your card to catch. It should kind of just keep kind of very carefully sliding through there, not quite catch. So some of that does depend on your planter. One of the last things is just your closing wheels. One of the biggest things we see there is this closing wheels aren't staying centered, so make sure they're staying centered. But we talk about all of this in a lot more detail in the 10-point planner checklist video series. So I highly recommend that you go ahead and take a look at that. We've got some special uh, discount codes out there right now for you, so check out the website and you can see some of these discount codes. Commodity market stays soft on Thursday. We'll have details next. And later, how much do you think the farm labor picture has changed since 1948? You might be surprised by the latest numbers. And meet a black farmer from Virginia trying to get his voice and thousands of others heard in Washington in the country.
A new rule, Main Street Index is continuing to remain in growth territory, but barely. The Creighton University poll of rural bankers declined slightly this month to just over growth neutral, with slightly more than 7% of bankers reporting improving economic conditions. But they report farmland prices have now advanced for 29 straight months, and farmers have continued to expand their buys of farm equipment for 25 of the past 27 months. Bankers were asked specifically this month about the importance of ethanol production in their area, with more than 91% saying it was an important industry for their local economy. We also saw some promising signs when it came to U.S. weekly export sales, but was it enough to move markets? Michelle Rook is back with Mike Miner in this morning's Markets Now. Mike Miner with Professional Ag Marketing is joining us, and it was a quietly higher day in the grains, but Mike, we really have just been kind of consolidating this week under the highs from Monday, haven't we, in most of these grains? Yeah, especially in the corn and soybean markets, we continue to consolidate and uh, watching some things like the Bollinger Bands on corn, for example, they're really coming in close here. And at the time of the year that we're at right now, Michelle, I'm really looking for a breakout to come here in the end of February or sometime in early March on this corn market specifically. And uh, we've got things like the Feb outlook coming around the 23rd and 24th. I'm looking for that to have some impact on the markets, kind of start to talk more about the 23 crop year to come. But up front here, you know, uh, soybeans continue to be one of the main movers and shakers on these uh, grain markets. Yeah, talk about that because soybean meals had a big break from the contract highs. But, you know, do we have all of the South American weather story kind of played out in these markets now? Is it top in? Pretty much. I mean, Argentina here, we've pretty much ran our course. Meal failed to break above $500 again on the front month here, a continued sign of resistance. And historically, we do not spend a lot of time above $500 on the soybean meal contract. And I, uh, getting towards this stage in that Argentina crop, I would expect them to stop talking so much about their dry weather. We pretty much know what their crop size is right. in the higher 30s, low 40s. And uh, USDA is pretty much adjusted accordingly here, surprisingly. And now you're going to get some Brazilian harvest pressure, too. Exactly. Yeah. What about the wheat market? We looked like we were putting in some more premium. Do we need to put a little more in? A little bit. I would say we're just starting. We haven't traded the wheat market really hard off uh, Russia news in a long time. So it'll be exciting again to see if we can start trading some of that. And I think that could help money flow come back into these grains. Yeah, we're especially watching to see if the export corridor continues to be open or the deal is extended, right? Exactly, because Russia is still the largest wheat exporter in the world. And uh, if we do see some conflict with them, we could see their numbers back off a little bit and uh, see U.S. numbers pick up. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike Miner, Professional Ag Marketing. More Ag Day coming up. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Steel Closing Wheels, perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Meteorologist Chuck Eber joining us here, taking a look at our national forecast. You know, Chuck, we've sounds like we've got some showers off the East Coast. What about for the rest of the weekend? 
Yeah, you know, actually those showers are going to relatively move out quickly. And then it's going to be a nice tranquil pattern for most of the country. All right, let's take a look at future radar here. You can see the storms that are lined up along the east coast. They'll quickly move out and some snow up in Maine. And that, again, will continue to move out in the early afternoon hours. And the rest of the country gets relatively calm. It's going to be a relatively mild weekend as well for most of us. Even through Saturday, you can see a lot of clear skies over on the east coast into Saturday afternoon. Then some more clouds build. That's in association with this frontal boundary here in the storm, which is bringing cold air to the northeast, but it's short lived. Then we go zonal. All the cold air is stuck up to the north on Saturday. We're going to see mild conditions all the way across the country. It's going to be a really nice weekend. Actually, for most of us, a little bit of colder air pushes back down into the northern part of the United States in the early part of next week, but overall not bad. Then we get a plunge of cold air out to the west on Thursday that rebounds back up to the north and still the rest of the country remains mild. We're going to have some wind though to contend with while we see these storms pushing off the coast. But then again, on Friday, things look pretty decent. A little breezy in the Great Lakes over the weekend, but overall really nothing to talk about in terms of large amounts of precipitation. We'll have the precipitation along the coast here, as you can see, and then a lot of this will be uh, snow up to the north, but overall not bad. Here's a snowfall estimates if you're up uh, in Maine, just to the north, way up northern part of Maine uh, over the next uh, couple days, but that's it. We don't have any snow over the next couple days for the, the area. So 28 degrees in Chicago, 54 in El Paso for the high temperature today. For the temperature tonight, we're going down to 36 in St. Louis and for tomorrow, we're going to rebound nicely. This is what I was talking about. Mild conditions across the country. All right, let's take a look closer to home in Seneth, Missouri, 4328 with some sunshine in Providence, Rhode Island showers, but the temperatures plunge high 60 down to 23 and Erie, Pennsylvania, a wintry mix, high 32, low 21. A new partnership has been announced to protect the U.S. from the deadly pig disease African swine fever. The National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, USDA, the National Pork Board, and the National Pork Producers Council all working together to enhance ASF coordination and preparedness. The partnership will allow for what the groups call the harmonization of federal and state response plans. It will also enable livestock producers to prevent, plan, and recover from an ASF or other foreign animal disease outbreak. And so we now have something in the $150,000, $160,000 category to do our work in helping an already existing effort move forward, although I think we can bring uh, some additional values in terms of the politics of the state, a voice that may not have been there in the past. McKinney says by bringing state, federal and industry groups together, they'll be able to coordinate strategies for animal disease preparedness and response at the local, state and federal levels. A new report from USDA shows that the total amount of livestock and crops produced every year has tripled over the past seven decades. Now, take a look at this one very telling graphic from the Economic Research Service. Looking first at the gray line, farm labor, that's falling a whopping 74% since 1948. Land use in orange declined 28%, but look at the dark blue line, that's inputs such as fertilizer and pesticides. It's grown 126%, while capital for things like farm machinery and buildings grew 79%. Researchers saying changes to technology have made machinery and chemicals more affordable for farmers, partially replacing labor and land. 
ERS saying, as a result, over the past 70 years, farm output has grown an average of 1.42% each year. You know, farmer organizations do a lot of advocating for their constituents. Up next, we'll hear from the leader of the National Black Farmers Association about recent promises and how he feels whether or not those promises are being kept in the country. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. We're continuing to celebrate Black History Month and the important role black farmers and ranchers have in our industry. And that's why we reached out to John Boyd Jr. of the National Black Farmers Association. Usually when you see him interviewed, it's in regards to familiar hot button topics, such as aid payments to black farmers, something that's still in litigation right now. But we wanted to take the conversation beyond that to talk about the work his organization is doing and he had some interesting things to say about the current political climate. What do you find that people misunderstand or, they, or maybe questions that you get asked a lot as a black farmer here in the U.S.? Well, believe it or not, there are many people that don't even know that black farmers exist. Uh, so basically we have to do more educational and training and, and and raise our visibility to let you know, more Americans know that we're here. And uh, we have 116,000 members in 46 states, primarily in the Eastern Corridor of the United States, all the way around to Texas uh, and Mississippi and Alabama, our two biggest states, and about 3,000 uh, black farmers in, in, in California. So we're very widespread and spread out. But like I said, uh, many Americans still don't know that we, we've been here, we've been doing the, the amazing work of agriculture and helping feed in America for, for many, many generations. Talk to me about some priorities for you uh, in the next year or two before we get, obviously, to the next election cycle and all of that. What, what do you hope to see accomplished here? I hope to see in the coming year more dialogue about America's farmers. It's missing from the discussion. Uh, you know, most of, most of our country people are still rural America outside of the major cities. And we have to raise our forces, especially as farmers, to let people know that we're here, what our needs are. And we're very uh, proud people and uh, independent people. We don't like to be told what to do, things of that nature. Uh, no farmer wants to be told that. But we have to raise our visibility and let the administration and whoever is running, uh, we want to hear what they have to say on how they're going to help America's farmers stay on the land so we can do what we know we can do you know, pretty good. Uh, so the Biden administration isn't doing that right now. They made a lot of promises uh, to the National Black Farmers Association. Uh, we supported them and uh, probably 99% of our membership voted for them. And uh, the same way they found this during the campaign is the same way we would like to be treated during the time that they're in office. Yeah. And uh, for the Republicans, we need to hear from you. you know, don't shy away from black farmers because they think that they're going to vote Democrat or whatever. Uh, make a plea for their support, too. And that's that's what's missing uh, from from the black farmer side of things. So you're going to hear people say, well, why did they vote for, for Biden? Well, quite simply, he really courted their support. He really came after me for their support. Mm -hmm. And I would like to hear from uh, Democratic uh, presidential leaders that's going to be running for office and how they could help uh, with some of the issues that we face. And, and I know a lot of people don't understand why we still need a black farmers uh, association. You know, when 
Uh, they stopped asking us for uh, our signature on uh, farm loan applications such as USDA to, to identify ourselves as black and that banks is black and, and finishing last uh, at all of the corporations. Then we can integrate into America's system. But right now, every day I go out here, the challenges are far more difficult for me as a black farmer. And we'll continue the conversation with John Boyd Jr., including his organization's perspective on the lawsuits over aid payments to black farmers. That's Tuesday on Ag Day. And you can watch my entire interview on Farm Journal's YouTube page. And that's all the time we have this morning. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day. Thanks for watching.